Today on the 1012 Podcast, myself, Andy, and Jamie welcome Jeff Allen of Sons of UCF to look at the contenders in the Big 12 for the title game, the teams who are not out of it yet, and the rest of the pack who's just trying to make a bowl game. We've got some interesting thoughts from everyone on how this year could go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. You can find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That's T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. We are here to do what we do every Monday. We're going to recap the weekend that was a bit. Today, we're going to look at the conference a little bit differently. We have broken teams down into three specific categories. Contenders, uh, not totally out of it. And will they make a bowl game? That is the conversation we're going to have today. I will not be doing this solo. Joining me as they do every week. He is a man that is currently floating on cloud nine. He is Andy Mitz. I am still trying to get caught up on sleep because since Big Noon kickoff was in town, we got up at 2.30 in the morning to make sure that my kids could be at the front of the pit. So that was a lot of fun. I'm sure you hated that. I mean, it it was fun to be there. But when you come home and you're ready to be asleep by 6 o'clock and you literally just walked in the door because the game got rain delayed as well, that's not a good thing. I'm, I'm... I don't think people are feeling too terribly bad for you, but you know what? Good parenting. Good parenting. Uh, she is the vibe queen herself. She is JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Yeah, I'm also catching up on sleep. It's because my friend got married on Saturday. So uh, her brother played football for Iowa State, and so they played Juicy Wiggle at the reception, and I danced with him, and it was great. It was magical. Also, Iowa State won. 10 out of 10. No notes. <laughs> uh, and joining us today, a little uh, UCF representation from Sons of UCF. He is Jeff Allen. Hey, it's great to be here. Glad uh, glad for the invite and uh, looking forward to it. I absolutely appreciate it. Uh, every week. And I have uh, having some having a little guest join us, getting some 1012 network representation. Love everything Sons of UCF do. If you guys aren't listening to that show, the live show on Thursdays, the podcast on Mondays, and Goodness gracious. Let's see. There's around the kingdom. Uh, there's a ton of written content. Y'all are just, y'all, 
Y'all are doing a lot of heavy lifting, and the football team so far is not doing its part to help you guys out right now. It would be nice if they would cooperate, I tell you that. Uh, you know, at least we have uh, you know the number one ranked men's soccer team carrying the load for us, so that's, uh, that's kind of helping out a little bit. Not a bad thing, not a bad thing at all. All right, well, we have, as I said, three categories to get to. Uh, before we do that, just remember wherever you are listening, if it's a podcast form, Leave five stars in a review. We would appreciate it. If it's off in YouTube, like this video, subscribe. We would appreciate it. It really does help the show out. It would be fantastic. All right. And also, don't forget to go check out the Patreon. Yes, the Patreon. We're going to get some more stuff on it. It's, it's very like awesome. we get some stuff. We don't. Where's this dog article you were supposed to I'm give sorry. us? I'm sorry. I had a lot of stuff going on last week. I will make sure I get it this week, though. I a, lot of, a lot of just a lot of empty holes there. Andy, sir, you know what? I owe, I owe you uh, I owe you an apology. You were right. This was a terrible weekend of football. Obviously, you had a terrible time. Uh, it was a horrible slate of games. Just completely unwatchable. Nothing worth mentioning. We just just skip recapping last week and and move ahead to next weekend. You you want to now? Wait that? a minute. You do remember that I said outside of the game that I was not allowed to pick that it was a less than desirable slate of football, and I still stand by those words. That's fine. You do you. Poo-poo away. All right, let's start by talking about the teams that we uh, we are going to call the contenders the rest of the way. It is chaos in the Big 12. Five teams at 4-1 and one in conference play. And let's just talk through this part. In fact, it's not just the fact that Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State are all 4-1. and one. Kansas State lost to Oklahoma State, who lost to Iowa State, who lost to Oklahoma, who lost to Kansas, who lost to Oklahoma State, and Texas, who lost to Oklahoma uh, I, I believe a friend of the pod, Allison Renner, posted the tiebreaker rules, and I tried to go through them, and I and I I gave up after about ten minutes, mostly because I had a three year old calling from the bathroom because she needed help. Um, but <laughs> also because I immediately was just like, nope, not gonna worry about this again until we actually. Somebody asked me, um, uh, can you explain the tiebreaker rules? Not until we get to the end of the regular season, and I have to actually worry about how they're going to apply. So until then, let's just not worry about. It. What we can worry about is enjoying the absolute insanity that we have in front of us in the Big 12. Again, I I understand the national narrative of the Big 12 is not any good this year. You did not do yourself any favors in the non-conference by losing to Ohio, losing to South Alabama, losing to Missouri, losing to a number of other programs that don't need to be mentioned anymore. But the idea that the Big 12 is not good or isn't fun or isn't something you should be watching there are five teams in contention, which is going to set up an incredible week 10. We'll talk about that. But this is crazy. like, And crazy in a good, fun way, unless you're you know, at the bottom of the conference. But even then, I've seen people who are like, I, I, mean, I'm, I mean, I hate that my team's not any good, but like, this is, this is incredible content. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And matter of fact, is I do the Big 12 Minute on the Sons of UCF Live, and I did my segment on, okay, so what do we know about the Big 12? And basically, I came to the conclusion, we really don't know anything because, uh, you know, at the time, you know, we had four, three and one teams and, you know, each one of them plays two of the other. So, you know, you referenced, uh, you know, who beat who at the beginning. So it sounded like the biblical begats at the beginning of the Bible there. Um, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, they're going to cannibalize each other probably is that is, is the way this breaks out. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the biggest thing here is the fact that I, I mean, you obviously are going to have 
teams like Oklahoma and Texas where people expect them to win every week. But as we've seen, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to do it or do it comfortably. Like this is, um, you know, I, I, I actually have a bone to pick with your, with your, the way that you broke out the teams, because I honestly don't think like, I think it's people in contention. And then are they going to make a bowl? Because, you know, even the two teams that are one game behind are still well within it because they have so many games against the other teams that are up there. You know, KU plays Iowa State and Kansas State still the rest of the year. Um, you know, you have Iowa State and Kansas State play each other. You have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State playing each other. You have, you know, Kansas State also, I, I believe Kansas State plays Texas, but I know Iowa State does. Like, there are plenty of games between these top-level programs in the conference that, you know, we could see Oklahoma and Texas each take, well, maybe not Oklahoma because, you know, after after Oklahoma State, I believe they play all three AAC members or it's two of them and then BYU. But, um, you know, I think I would not be shocked at all if Oklahoma, if, if any of the teams that are in the top seven spots of the Big 12 right now take two more losses the rest of the way. Yeah, and you look at that, and, you know, right out of the shoot, you know, we get Bedlam next week, right? So it's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this uh yeah, this is going to be like a like a very stirred concoction, and yeah, I think uh, I think Philip, you're going you're going to have to have the tiebreaker down <laughs> by the end of it. I saw I had some friends in a group chat like starting to break down tiebreakers where they were figuring out what it took to get Iowa State and Oklahoma State in the title game, and it didn't take much, which is, tells me all I need to know about where we're at in the conference right now. Honestly, we we are in an ever changing situation and environment that will look different next week than it does today. Let's break these teams down a little bit. Let's start with Iowa State, Jamie. Uh, first came Rocktober. Now we have Rocktober. Uh, Rocco backed having a very nice month of October. Iowa State is now 19 and 7 in the month of October since 2017, 13 and 14 in the month of September. Because again, no one cares less about non conference than Matt Campbell does. But once you get in October and get to in Big 12 play, that's when it matters. That's when you make your money. Also, any talk of like, this is this Matt Campbell's time and aim's done. Can we can we stop now? Are we done with that? Y'all good? Like you should be having more of the conversation of will Michigan State try and come and get uh, Matt Campbell. This is not a like, haha, Matt Campbell's up for every job joke. This is a, actually it would make a lot of sense, but we can talk about that at another day. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, here's another Matt Campbell stat for you. I that shout out to Brent Bloom for this one. Times Iowa State has ever started four and one in Big Twelve play: 2023, 2020, and 2017. Again. He, they're going to build him a statue at some point. Entirely made out of corn. You just build the statue out of corn, like like you know county fair style, or is it out of butter? Would that be just it's, have a giant? Yeah, I mean butter would be more uh more really Iowan. Uh, but what I want to build a statue to is that graphic that Baylor showed on the screen during our first field goal kick. That was just a bear with an ear of corn in its mouth. I want every school to do that. I think that is the best shit talking I've ever seen that doesn't have words to it. I want more I want more visual trash talk. Uh and that was definitely like the best thing that Baylor did this weekend. So does that mean in the game this weekend between Iowa State and Kansas, you're gonna have like a giant ear of corn squashing a Jayhawk on the on the big screen or something? I mean, I think that, like, for for threatening factor, you use 
a twister, right? Like they're really trying That's to minimize fair. it. So you're not going to have a bear standing up to an actual tornado, but you can definitely sweep up some like birds in a twister. That I think is absolutely elite. Like our, our athletic department got in a little bit on it. Like they tweeted a graph, a graphic that was just like a torn up little teddy bear in Baylor colors with a twister in the background and it looked vaguely AI, uh, so I don't know. I don't know if it was Photoshop or not. Uh, I hope it was Photoshop, so I could give them big props for that. But uh, I like that. I think that we really need to make sure that we're furthering the agenda of uh, the TCU win videos. Sorry, you were talking about using a tornado and talking about a bear, and all I could think of was a bear NATO, kind of like a shark NATO, but you know, with big giant bears. You might be onto something. If it hasn't been done, someone will AI it and post it on Twitter. Yeah, this I week. know. Gosh. Uh, I we'll talk about it this weekend, but like I desperately need Iowa State to wear a marching sigh uh on the helmet versus full body J on the Kansas helmets, and that be the helmet battle because that would be uh fantastic. Really good. Looking forward, Iowa State, look, they are very much in contention. They have the most opportunity, which also means the most difficult path ahead because they have Kansas, Texas, and Kansas State all still on the schedule, all three other uh, teams currently in contention to make it to Arlington. So like I said, with Iowa State, like the opportunity is there. Like you you go 3-0 and or 4-0 through this last four, or even 3-1 and depending upon who you lose to. Iowa State, after a very, very ugly start to the season, could be staring at another trip to Arlington for the first time since 2020, which would be a hell of a turnaround from 2020 to 2022 and then back there in 23. Hell of, hell of a turnaround just from September to now. I mean, if you're going to have a good season, you're probably going to be talking about a turnaround from September to any point going forward, uh, just based on history. But... Uh, again, I've, I said, I, I had some, I had some maybe doubts about, uh, how invested I'd be at this point in the season. And I am still following football. So good spot, a lot of opportunity. And I don't know. I mean, no one's unbeatable, obviously. I mean, that's, that's been made very evident with the conference schedule. So it's like, all right, go out there and have some big opportunities. And, you know, if, if you don't end up back in the championship game, like that wasn't anyone's expectation preseason anyway. So it's nice to be at a point where you can have, uh, have a little bit of a thought that maybe you can surpass your expectations. But ultimately, you just want to, like, finish strong not fall flat on your face, like not, not regress back towards the beginning of the season. Keep at least feeling like you're making progress, which I would, I would generally feel good about at least that aspect of it without any specific uh, games tied to it. You know, does anybody fear that Kansas will have a letdown after beating Oklahoma? You know, that's a, that was a big, uh, a big pillar they hadn't done in a long time, you know? So that's a, I think that, you know, or does that propose? well it's kind of funny that you bring that up because i actually asked a couple of players about that after the game and they basically said no because we remember what happened last time we went up to ames um you know that it was like 50 or i'm sorry like 58 to 6 beat down or whatever that was it was ridiculously bad i was there i'll be at the game coming up this week as well so 
hopefully I get to see Kansas get their revenge in person, but I don't think I would be too worried about a letdown because of the Oklahoma game. Now, the way that Kansas plays defense on the road compared to at home, that very well could lead to a letdown, but that wouldn't have anything to do with Oklahoma. That would just be Kansas holding true to form. All right, so Iowa State remains in contention. Everything in front of them. Let's move to Oklahoma State. We could talk about the Cowboys. We could talk about the fact that this team has kind of figured itself out after it decided to actually name a starting quarterback. And uh, more importantly, give Ollie Gordon the freaking ball. He had 19 carries through non-conference and 109 yards. He now leads the country in total yards at 1,087 and is averaging 7.71 yards per carry. That's back-to-back 250-plus yard games. It's just the second time an Oklahoma State running back has ever done that. The first person, the only other person to do that would be the guy who has a statue outside of the stadium. That would be one Mr. Barry Sanders. Uh, Ollie Gordon has been tearing teams up. We came into the weekend Cincinnati being one of the better rushing defenses in the Big 12, and Ollie Gordon basically outran most of the teams that they have faced against that Cincinnati defensive line. Um, and he might get 350 against UCF. Yeah. He has no run defense at all. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, after what Kansas did to them and, you know, having two running back or almost three running backs getting 100 yards rushing, all he's going to go off. I mean, I, I wouldn't put 400 past him at this point and just. <laughs> Looking at OSU, I mean, it's been a complete and total turnaround, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, not just because you gave the ball to Ollie. Uh, because you picked Alan Bowman, which you know allowed the offense to kind of figure things out. The offensive line has stayed relatively, knock on wood, healthy compared to past years. The offense seems to have found a rhythm. And I want to give a lot of credit to Brian Nardo, defensive coordinator, coming up from D2, first year as a D1 defensive coordinator. And like I think he's done a very good job. If you go and look at games, like yes, the Cowboys will give up some big plays early, but they've made some, they've made necessary adjustments, especially at halftime, and have done a really good job in the second half of games of slowing opponents down. Looking at OSU for the rest of the season, look, it's a weird thing to say they have the I'm going to use air quotes, which you can't see because this is a an audio format. They have the, air quotes, easiest schedule of the contenders remaining because they have three of the newcomers on the schedule, UCF, Houston, and BYU. I use the air quotes because, oh, (laughs) yeah, OU is next week, and the running gag is anything can happen in Bedlam. OU can win by a a large amount. OU can win by a little amount. OU can win by a medium amount. So... It's one thing to say it's the easiest. It's another thing to say like, well, it's the easiest after Bedlam this week and they have to face a team that they don't really do all that well against. Thoughts on OSU moving forward? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, they're they're coming in hot this week, you know, having won four in a row. I think, uh, you know, beating Oklahoma could certainly propel them to Arlington, I think. I mean, I I think this is one where... I would honestly be more concerned about a letdown for Oklahoma after the way that they played against Kansas, just because, you know, you saw some pretty rough things from the Sooners. I think it was the first time that their defense really struggled. Um, While UCF was able to kind of come back and, you know, make that a, a game. I think a lot of that was Oklahoma shooting themselves in the foot and UCF ready to pounce on it. Um, Whereas there were times where the Kansas offense just absolutely obliterated what what Oklahoma wanted to do 
I think that Oklahoma State has the same capacity to be able to do that, especially with the running game. Like Oklahoma is not good at all with rushing defense. Um, and you know, UCF you, proved that as well. Yeah. Well, right. But you also go up against Ollie Gordon. Like that's probably the one person I don't want to face after I, you know, give up two really bad back-to-back rushing performances. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you talk about the history, Philip. I know you as an, as an Oklahoma state fan are just kind of weary about that game in general, but, uh, you know, this is one that it feels like even though Oklahoma is heavily favored. And I think a lot of people are assuming that they're going to bounce back. I've been hearing people talk up Oklahoma all year long and they looked horrible against UCF and we're still able to barely pull out the win at home. And then, and yeah, they have a talented offense, but that defense is nowhere near where people are thinking that it is at this point. So um, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an entertaining game. I was surprised that it did not get selected for either of the two national pregame shows, um, but I still think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it is interesting to realize that like you have to go back to Oklahoma beating Texas to actually have any kind of solid performance out of them. Like you go from that to being on bye to, like you said, barely eking one out against UCF and then losing. That's, I mean, not exactly a terrific stretch there. That's you're you're going back like a month since they've played well. So I mean, obviously they they're fully capable of of coming back into their their earlier season form, but it it's far from a foregone conclusion that that's what their identity is going to be going forward, really, because it's once something doesn't happen for that long, I mean, it's not like it's an anomaly. It's been two games. That's well, not only that, but you look at like the early part of the season, right? Like the big knock on Oklahoma coming into the game in, into the Red River rivalry was they haven't really played anybody. Right. You know, the only good unit that they played prior to the Texas game was the SMU offense, supposedly. They were able to hold the SMU offense down, but their own offense struggled mightily with SMU until the late game and they were able to, you know, turn on the Jets at the end. Um, they have not really had the kind of performance that you would expect, you know, week after week for a national title contender. A lot of people were talking about them as a CFP contender. I think the last two weeks stretches kind of show that they have severe issues for CFP contender, but it's such a log jam in the big 12 that, I mean, I still think that they're easily a contender for the big 12 title. It's just a matter of they're not as far and away as, you know, better than everyone else in the big 12. Like a lot of people were talking about them. So, so let's use this to talk about Oklahoma because you were talking about these things. And I want to shout out Bill Connolly of ESPN. He, he put out a, his, his big preview on Friday. And these are numbers before the Kansas game. So, so keep that in mind. OU's first four games, their average opponent's offensive S&P Plus ranking was 79.3. The three games before Kansas, which was what? Iowa State, Texas, and UCF. That jumped up to 38. So 41 spots higher. So let's go through the defensive numbers for, for Oklahoma. First four games of the season, offensive or points allowed per drive, they ranked second. The last three games before Kansas, they ranked 49th. Yards per play around, 18th of the first four games, 89th, the three before Kansas. Point or percentage of plays gaining 20 plus yards, 47th in the first four games, 102nd in the, the three before Kansas. Percentage of rushes gaining 10 plus yards, 10th to the first four games, 98th the three games before Kansas. 
it 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 is more like last year than I think we really wanted to give credit for until the bye week of once they played better games and we knew the non-conference was bad, but once they started playing better teams, like they, 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 the second half of that game against Iowa state got weird, right? You could talk to the Texas game was weird. Like, Oh, you made mistakes in the first quarter. Texas made a bunch of mistakes as well. Now I can flip that around and say like Kansas held on for a win in which they were able to turn Dylan Gabriel over multiple times. Like, I can play this both ways, but the defense at Oklahoma is not what we thought it was through the first month, month plus of the season. And the numbers back that up. Once they started playing better offenses, it got worse. And if you want to play off SP plus numbers, let's look through, I hate playing the schedule game, but we're going to do it here just for a second. Let's look at where the offenses rank for the remaining remaining opponents they have on the schedule. So Oklahoma State, their offense, uh, SP Plus, is currently ranked 24th. Okay. Uh, We got West Virginia, BYU, TCU. Okay, West Virginia is uh, 56th. BYU, 63rd, 63rd, 63rd. And TCU is... Oh, I'm doing these numbers wrong. This one was TCU is 26th. Sorry. I love doing things live. BYU is 68. West Virginia is, these are just offensive numbers, 48th. And Oklahoma State is 24th. So, no, it's not a gauntlet the rest of the way through, but they've still got a couple of good offenses they're going to have to face in Oklahoma State. And at least TCU from a S&P plus ranking standpoint, I'm not sure I believe that they're. And I would say, I mean, I think, I think West Virginia has a good enough offense to give them problems. If the defense isn't, you know, back to beginning of the season form. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that the offense has a huge advantage over the Oklahoma defense, but if that Oklahoma defense plays the way it has in the last three or four weeks, you know, then I think that West Virginia offense can make a lot of, a lot of yards against them it's just the real question of whether they punch it in the end zone or not so oklahoma similar to oklahoma state you could argue one of the easier schedules down the stretch we knew they had an easier schedule in the big 12 period after a road game in oklahoma state it's home for west virginia at byu and home for tcu so i mean if if they get past bedlam which is what they do most of the time like you still have to feel pretty good about oklahoma finding their way to arlington unless they just trip up somewhere 11th of or, uh, November 18th at BYU. If that's a night game. I'm, I'm pulling for that one. God, we, I think everyone in the Big 12, not who's not an OU fan, is pulling for a late night kick in Provo so that we can see the uh, BYU vampires. All right. Um, let's bounce to Kansas State. Honestly, it's the hottest team in the Big 12. They're averaging 40 points per game since adding Avery Johnson into a two-man quarterback rotation. Uh, The defense has allowed three total points over their last nine quarters of football. That's two-plus games they've allowed. Is that good? (laughs) Three total points. (laughs) Math says yes. Math says this. Uh, Beta rank has the Wildcats as the highest-rated Big 12 team with the number 7-ranked offense and the number 19th-ranked defense. That's the high-rated offense in the Big 12 and second-highest-ranked defense in uh, behind Texas. Kansas State is on a roll. And look, what's wild to me also is it also feels like Will Howard is playing better 
with Avery Johnson in the fold than he was when everything was on his shoulders, which is a wild thing. Typically, when you see stuff like this, you don't see the other guy who's lost time play better. But it seems like he's almost allowed to be a little bit freer and looser. And he's played better not having to have so much responsibility. I mean, it kind of lines up with some of what we saw last year as well. Like the Kansas State defense is bowed up. We can talk about the opponents. That's fine. It's not like they played what we would call a murderer's row, uh, getting these wins over Houston and TCU and Texas Tech. But like they're playing really, really well coming in with this situation. Like I, we came into the season going, Kansas State would be the team if anyone not named Oklahoma or Texas made it to Arlington. Maybe Kansas State could be the one to upset that and, and find their way back to the Big 12 championship game. They've got a tricky schedule. You got a road game against Texas this weekend. You've still got to go to Kansas for Sunflower Showdown. You've got Iowa State at home to end the regular season. Like they've got three tricky games out of the four final ones. They also get a home game with Baylor. But like kind of like Iowa State, the road is there. Like the, the path is right there. You lose a tiebreaker to Oklahoma State, but if you could take tiebreakers over Texas, Kansas, and Iowa State and not give them all other losses. Kansas State's going to find themselves back in Arlington for a second straight season, which would be, again, considering, you know, the loss to Missouri and even the loss to Oklahoma State, given what at the time we knew about OSU or thought we knew about OSU, would be a very impressive. If you well, like, if 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 they win all three of those games, though, there's no way they're losing to Baylor, so they won't need tiebreakers at that point. But Yeah. So do you feel like they really, the, their trip to Arlington really is contingent on beating Texas this week, though? I kind of feel that way. I mean, you have to win three or four. Like if, if it's two and two, no. If you win three or four, then it's just a matter of like, who did you lose to? And I, I think if that loss is Texas, I don't think they're going. I think if they beat Texas, then it's just a matter of what happens with Kansas and Iowa State. Which of those, which of those, if you, if you lose one, do you lose? And what's their record at the end of it? Who's, you know, what are we doing with tiebreaker scenarios? But I think they have to beat Texas this weekend in, in Austin. Yeah, it, it really comes down to someone has to give both Texas and Oklahoma a loss in order for teams like Kansas State, Oklahoma State to be able to make it to Arlington because, you know, Texas holds the tiebreaker. I'm sorry, Texas's only loss right now is to Oklahoma. So doesn't really matter. Like they have tiebreakers over everyone else that's contending that they've played so far. And Oklahoma has lost to Kansas unless, you know, unless there's a team that or unless Oklahoma loses another one or one more than Kansas does and Texas loses two, like Kansas is not going to be the one that's going to help knock those two out, you know, without a bunch of other chaos. So I think I think at this point, if you are any of those other teams wanting to go to Arlington, you're rooting for as many people to beat Texas and Oklahoma as possible. And then you can just slug it out with everybody else. I think the biggest problem for me, if I'm looking at the Wildcats, though, is just the fact that, I mean, like your point about Will Howard playing better with, you know, extra help. I think that's the way that wild that, that, that the Wildcats team is built, right? Is that they do not do well, I think, when one player is having to make the difference. I think you could make an argument, you know, uh, like, um, you know, Deuce, uh, you can make an argument for, you know, a few players here and there that have been able to do that in the past in Kansas State. But in general, they have to have a very balanced offense with multiple players that are really contributing to allow them to actually be able to beat some of these higher teams. The problem is the two, I think the two teams that you look at and say, Hey, those are at least decent teams would be Missouri and Oklahoma state. They played both those teams on the road and they lost both of those games. 
until they actually play somebody that is considered to be a good team and come out with a victory there, I'm worried about what's going to happen the next time they play a good team. Obviously, we'll learn a lot about them at Texas. If they can keep that game against Texas really close, even if they lose, and it's a super close game, you know, down in Austin, I think you feel pretty good about what they can do. But I think that there's there's still a legitimate reason to be concerned about how they can finish out the season because they've had that huge resurgence against teams that have severely disappointed this year. Absolutely uh, fantastic performance against Houston this weekend, though. Good grief. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is Houston, though. Like uh, Houston has talked about how. Uh, yes. And, and Houston on the road <laughs> is bad. You shut Houston out. Like, I don't care who you're playing. Like, you shut Houston out completely. Donovan Smith had been playing well. Like, they they gave Texas everything they could. And and I understand, like, we said it on, on Thursday's Picks Pod. Like, there's going to be such a massive letdown for Houston after throwing everything they could at Texas. Like, there's just no way they're going to do that again against Kansas State. But to get shut out completely. And again, you held TCU to three points. Like, this is back-to-back performances that have been... Very impressive. I don't care who the opponent is to hold to to have a nine quarter run of allowing three total points. That's awesome. That is that is not. I don't care if you're playing three straight FCS teams. Somebody's going to score a touchdown in there on some fluky something rather. That is very impressive. It doesn't happen by accident. No. (laughs) No. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that you can have cautious optimism. I think it's also fair to lean into that and say, hey, the defense is playing amazing. Like, yeah. and I think that defense can carry them to victories. Um, I just I want to see them do it against a good team first before I'm willing to say, hey, I think the Wildcats can make it to Arlington. Fair. Last of the contenders, the team that Kansas State will be facing this weekend, the Texas Longhorns. Look, Malik Murphy wasn't awesome. But the game plan made a lot of sense for him against BYU. They kind of did what I thought they would probably do against BYU, who's not great on the road and not great in day games. And the defense was suffocating and played very, very well. I think that defense, we're talking about defenses carrying teams, the defense is going to carry Texas as far as it can until Quinn Ewers is able to get back in the lineup for, for Texas. Like, Murphy did enough. He looked better as the game went on. It'll be interesting to see when he faces off against what we think is a far better defense in Kansas State than BYU has. But like, I'm telling you right now, like unless the total drops below 50, just give me the under when we do the picks pod on Wednesday night. When we record it, give me the under on that game because I just like that's it's probably going to be a bit of a slugfest, which means it'll be a game in the 70s. But right, which which no, like a total a total 100, you know, yeah, or more. Uh, but like. It's going to be two very interesting defenses who are playing very pretty well as of late. I mean, Texas against Houston was not great, but I just like Texas's defense still is a, an impressive unit. And as Malik, long as Malik Murphy can be at worst a game manager, like they're they're going to keep winning, and you're going to have to show up with a with at least an AA plus performance to be able to knock them off again. Yeah, I I would I I would say that they're definitely in the driver's seat as far as the, the how things go down the stretch. You know, they do have the tiebreaker on on uh, they don't have the tiebreaker because sorry about that. Uh, but they do they do seem to have the schedule in their favor. I think if if they could, if they if they win this week, I think they've got a good shot to f- to finish out strong. I mean, if if you want a trap game for Texas, it's kind of like Oklahoma. It's a road game at Iowa state on November 18th. Like that's, 
it's a Jamie's got a ear to ear grin. Like it's a hard place to play. It's gonna be in November. It's gonna be cold. Like again, oh, fingers crossed for you, night game. Gonna be it's, I would cold. Say it's, Oh my god. We're finally going to see 50s and 60s again this weekend because it's been back in the 30s for days. I can't do this anymore. Why do I live here? Man, it's going to be so warm for Kansas considering it was, you know, in the 30s and like 35. Yeah, no, it's actually it's, this last it's, week. Well, it's gonna be nice. I mean the day is going to be nice and then it's going to get back into like the the low be 40s, the mid 40s. high 30s, yeah. but y'all are yeah. used to it like that, you know. I, at I, least, at least there won't be sleet. That's you know, no, no ice gate or or cleat gate this week. So. Well, you never know. It snowed a little bit today. All right, we got two teams that I I have categorized as not out of it. Obviously, one of them is Kansas, and I'm making sure that they're in this group specifically because you got the win over Oklahoma. Um, it's not just that they have stayed just one game back from everyone else in the standings at three and two. It's now you have a very valuable tiebreaker if something comes down to that right now. It's a harder play for Kansas. You you need things to happen to other opponents and you have to basically be perfect the rest of the way. But until another loss pops up on their schedule, they're going to remain in contention here. Uh, I tweeted out on Saturday. I was like, had any other kansas coach ever been able to beat texas and oklahoma in their career well guess what lance leipold is not the only it's not the first big kansas head coach thanks for interrupting me uh to have wins over both oklahoma and texas and their career obviously andy has already looked this fact up so that he could know the answer to it probably write about it on uh blue wings rising can anyone name the coach that did it before and i I won't can i name another coach no (laughs) I don't fault even Kansas fans that are like, who? I don't, I don't. Oh, man. Andy, do you know? No, it's I mean, funny. I have it's funny fact. because Here. I looked at it and I pulled it up and I haven't written about it yet. And I was thinking about writing about it, but I completely forgot the name. I just remember that there is one and I was going to go fact check it later. I didn't think you were going to bring this up. Today. Oh, yeah. It is Adrian Lindsay. He beat Oklahoma in 1937 and Texas in 1938. Oh, of course. Yeah. Adrian Lindsay. I yeah. should have known. My knowledge of Kansas coaches Tip like that I can tongue. actually pull. It goes all the way back to Glenn Mason, but not, you know. And he's further back, so. Yeah, mine goes further. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't Mark Mangino, so. <laughs> or David Beatty. Dollar or... signs. Could have uh, narrowed signs. it down by who it wasn't, maybe. <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot of coaches in Kansas history. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to. Uh, Kansas had the lowest postgame win expectancy of the week at 17%. Congratulations to Kansas in that one. Again, losses to Texas and Oklahoma State. The win over Oklahoma keeps them in contention, but one more loss and um, they're out. I do think, I do think given the way things are, and again, maybe we have two teams with three conference losses. Maybe it's already weird. Now it could get weirder. It does feel like a team that finishes with two losses in conference play is going to be the teams that find their way to Arlington. Unless someone just doesn't lose again, which would be impressive. Kansas has road games at Iowa state this weekend. Should be fun. Texas tech, Kansas state, and then a road game at Cincinnati. So not the most difficult schedule closing things out, but Iowa state and Kansas state, especially a road game at Ames are not going to be easy. Uh, The other team we're saying is not out of this yet. 
because technically they're just three and two in conference plays. West Virginia, five and three overall. Make sure and listen to the Raspy Voice Kids recap on this one. Brandon did a fantastic job, as always. Like, I'm putting them here because technically they are not out of it. But um, they soon will be. And that's not sour grapes talking on my end. <laughs> well, like they you you're you you don't have a win. What Kansas has a win over a team in contention to give them a tiebreaker help. West Virginia doesn't. They beat they lost to Oklahoma State. The only other one they're even playing is OU. Like they don't play Texas, they don't play Iowa State, they don't play Kansas State. And so it's the two teams from Oklahoma. They've already lost to one. You've got the loss to Houston. I, like, I am thrilled for West Virginia to get the win and get themselves back towards like getting to bowl eligibility. Doing what they did in Orlando uh, was fantastic. But like, I, I I'm putting West Virginia here because they're not technically out of it. But I I'm not gonna like take the I'm not gonna overreact to the win over UCF and say like, well, what they've turned things around. It was a two game slide. They're gonna win out and get on like. I would probably pick them to beat BYU this weekend. We'll figure that out come Wednesday, but you've got to go to Oklahoma. Like I, they're here till they're, they lose again. And then it's, it's, it's done. Right. Right. Like I, I think the thing here is that they don't have the opportunity for tiebreakers. Cause I, I still think that they have an opportunity to go three and one. And if all of the, you know, if all of the ridiculousness happens that you're talking about and, you know, you potentially have three teams that are tied with three losses, or, you know, five teams that are tied with three losses or something ridiculous like that, you know, that are fighting for that second spot, you know, they could easily go three and one if they, if they, you know, I mean, I, I think that they can beat BYU at home. They can beat Cincinnati at home and going to Baylor. Like those are three games that I would probably chalk up to them winning. The problem is the only other chance you have for a tiebreaker is against Oklahoma and you have to go on the road to Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, the prospect of Oklahoma either coming off of back-to-back losses and then losing again to West Virginia or Oklahoma finding their footing after winning a Bedlam game and then having a letdown against West Virginia. I don't think either of those are very likely. Um, And so, you know, West Virginia has to win that game against Oklahoma to even stay in it. And even then, I don't know if it's enough for them to stay in it, even if all the other craziness happens. West Virginia can go three and one. And I'm, I'm not going to tell West Virginia fans how to feel, but like I feel like an eight and four season in Morgantown would be a positive thing and a reason to maybe buy in on Neil Brown just a little bit. It'll buy him another year, so you might as well. It'll stay his execution as a coach. <laughs> I mean, the buyouts, <laughs> the buyout's still high enough that, yeah. that at this oh, point, gosh, that, I know. It probably that execution is staying, especially once he gets that sixth win. And I, I they're going to get a sixth win with BYU and Cincinnati both home they games. They better. And a road game at Baylor, like they're gonna win one of these final four at least. And and I'd be shocked if they didn't if they did worse than two and two. So like they're gonna get I could see B I could see BYU beating West Virginia though. Of the final three game final four games, like I would be shocked if they went one and three. That's I mean, that's that's the whole point. Like could BYU yeah. beat them? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Um BYU on the road's not great, not as good. Um, I mean, they've won a road game. They went to Arkansas and won. So there's that. But, I mean, for West Not Virginia. Not only that, but it's a West Virginia. It's in Morgantown at night. I just, well, but that, the vampires. I don't know if the rule applies <laughs> with BYU on the road after dark. Like, I haven't. Oh, I'm going to have to fair. ask an expert to see if that if that translates. Uh, one thing that does translate is how good you're going to look and how comfortable you're going to be with apparel from Charlie. Hustle. 
Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and home talent apparel and loves the Big 12. By the way, um, Houston fans, if you're listening, I don't know how many Houston fans are still engaged in college football talk, but um, uh, keep an eye out. Something is coming down the line. Uh, Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off your school spirit all season long. They've got comfortable sweaters. They've got comfortable hoodies. They've got varsity jackets that are absolutely fantastic. We're talking about the cold weather. It ain't warm anymore. It's not summer. You can get a t-shirt if you want something underneath, but the sweaters and hoodies are awesome. They're incredibly comfortable, and they have some absolutely fantastic designs for your school. Sorry, Cincinnati. They're working on it. They have every Big 12 school except Cincinnati, but they also have Colorado. Those are just some of the more than 30 schools that you have to choose from, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. If you're just a fan of the city of Kansas City, maybe you're a Chiefs fan, maybe not after the game on Sunday, but in general, go to charliehustle.com, use our promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. I'll say that again. 10, 12, 15. T-E-N-1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Go shop at charliehustle.com today. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. What is this cold weather you speak of? <laughs> yeah, you or or Orlandoan, Orlandian? How did what is there? Orland, a, Orlandoan. Orlandoan? Okay. I don't yep. I appreciate. It. There's like the Mandal Mandalore I don't know. There's a UCF fan who dresses up as Mandalorian, and I was going to- The Nightalorian, yes. There it is. Thank you. Appreciate that. I tell uh, you what, I've you got know, my it... February trip to Orlando circled like so many times mentally in my calendar. I, yeah, those look, 36 there was like... hours are going to be <laughs> There was like three representatives from the Pop-Tarts Bowl at the KU game this week, so I'm just hoping that, you know, if Kansas- doesn't find their way into, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl as a surprise winner of the Big 12 Conference, which, you know, again, probably not happening. So I'm b- banking on the fact that the Pop-Tarts Bowl will decide to bring them down to Orlando. So um, looking forward to that potential trip. There you go. I, I think we all have UCF on our bucket list. Less for UCF, more for Orlando. But, you know, my next trip there will, will not be football related. It will be taking three small girls to Disney uh, World, but we'll we'll get to that. Well, I'll we'll tell you the West Virginia fans invaded us big time this past weekend. Well, I, I feel like Florida is to West Virginians what Vegas is to uh, Utahns. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a great analogy. I'll, yeah, I'll confirm that with Brandon and and Jerry. I have actually it. heard that from like. West Virginia, like, just talk about, like, how they spend time down there and stuff. Like, as soon as you say that, yeah, that's, like, that's kind of a mecca. It's a lot. A lot of people go down to Florida. I mean, Florida in the in the winter is, like, 50% people from, you know, the north. All, all those Well, yeah, but, like, down. West Virginia specifically because I guess it's not, like, the worst trip down the coast. Yeah. West Virginia and Canada. <laughs> It it's the most it's the most opposition I have seen at a UCF game. Wow, what they did this past this past weekend. Okay, well, impressive. Hmm. Very good to know. Very good to know. Uh, okay, next category is will they make a bowl? We'll move through this a little bit more quickly so we can talk about this weekend. Um, BYU 
let me just say this. I know some BYU fans are upset about the season. I saw a lot of angry fans this weekend on Twitter. I've seen some friends of ours, specifically from the Hype Train podcast, our BYU show, kind of defending things. Here's what I'll say for BYU. You are currently 5-3. and three. I understand you just got beat by Texas in Austin with a backup quarterback. You can take it at that Raider, you can understand that it's your first year in a P5 conference in Texas is good. I don't want to tell you how to feel, especially after another disappointing road performance. And what others have or have not accomplished, Utah, really doesn't have much impact on your feelings about your team, Utah. Uh, but being the only newcomer that has a realistic shot at reaching the six-win mark necessary for bowl eligibility, I would call this season a success so far. You have a currently above 500 record. You're only a game below 500 in conference play. You have two conference wins. The other three newcomers have one combined. Okay. Again, you're welcome to feel however you want about this season. And I, and I get it's hard to be optimistic after Saturday's performance, but there's still plenty of potential in year one for BYU to have what I think would be a successful year for a team in year one. West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. I get that. Three of those are contenders. One is one on the outside. You'd have no more newcomers left. I'm not going to, like, I understand that six win might be tricky. But I still think it's a successful year for BYU as long as they get to that sixth win somehow, some way. I don't know where it's going to come. I think everyone kind of looks at BYU as an auto win. I do think getting a sixth win, getting another win over an incumbent 10 and getting even to six and six would be a successful year for BYU. Here's the thing. We've talked about this ad nauseum. The run, the offense, the, the run game isn't there. The defense is up and down. It's all on Keaton Slovis's shoulders in the wins. He's 83 for 142 for 59% completion for a thousand and ten yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception in the losses. He's 70 for 125 for 56% completion, 706 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions in the losses. It's all on Keaton Slovis. Everything is on his shoulders. How far this team goes. He'll have another bad game in him. It'll probably be on the road somewhere. He'll have another good game in him. It will be at home somewhere. I think they'll get the six wins. I'm not going to try to pick which one it's going to be with West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Iowa State and Oklahoma in Provo. I think they'll get a sixth win. I think they'll get the ball eligibility. They're only one win away, and, and I think they have it in them, especially at home. Yeah, I would agree. And, and yeah, yeah, I think Slovis has at least one more good game in him, I think, if not two. So I, I think they're definitely going to get in. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see them, you know, with the slate that they have remaining, get, you know, two or three more wins just to kind of help out some of the uh, the other teams and the, kind of that chaos in the, in the Big 12. But, I mean, I think it's safe to say that they have a good shot to get at least one. Um, you know, going on the road to West Virginia, kind of like we talked about, you know, It'll be a night game in West Virginia. Let's let's see if their vampiric origins will allow them to you know play really well. But they're going to get one of those two games, either against Iowa State. If if Iowa State beats Kansas this week, then against Iowa State, that will probably be a night game. Um, or you know, going against Oklahoma, they might put Oklahoma into that slot. Although I would think they probably want to make that game featured in like an afternoon slot or something. But um, they still have two really good shots at getting another home night game, which will go a long way to helping them get that final win. The fact that they only need one, I think is what gives me hope that they will actually make it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that they have the ability to do it. 
they have a strong enough team that they can jump up and bite somebody. It's just a matter of who it is. Yeah, I, oh, I don't know. That's, it's not an easy slate to end it. Like, there's, there's maybe some, some opportunities in retrospect uh, that are more important than they may have felt uh, at the time. Obviously, everything feels important, but like, not getting Kansas, not getting um, tip in my tongue. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Whatever other one they had a chance in, I lost it. I had it. It was there. I'm really trying. Um, look, there was a couple games they probably could have won, but I'm not looking at any of the ones here to end the season and saying that any of them are a great opportunity. And none of them line up perfectly to be like a trap game for anyone. So I think that there's a very real possibility that they lose that. Like, that's just the schedule is not lined up great. You're not playing any of your other fellow newcomers here to finish out the season, anything like that. Like, that's just it's uh, it's a really tough spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think BYU screams to me kind of similar to like what I was talking about with Kansas state and that they haven't played extremely well against the good teams on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think they had a shot against TCU um, against Kansas um, or against Texas. Like in all those games, they were severely outclassed in a lot of different ways. They were able to make it close against Kansas, you know, towards the end, kind of get back into the game. But at that point, Kansas was up by, I think three scores at that one at, at one point, And they were trying to come back and, you know, Kansas, just ran out the time on them. So, but I, you know, I think what it really does come down to is just the fact that they only need to get one win. They have shown enough good flashes against, you know, like uh, against the Cincinnati team or going on the road and beating Arkansas, who is an absolute garbage this year. They're not as good. I think it's a lot of people thought they were, but they're still a decent sec team, you know, big win against Texas tech. They are kind of like Kansas and that they're a much better team at home than they are on the road. And so the fact that they have two really you know, they have two, I think, decent shots to put up a good game against, you know, two teams at home, I think gives them an opportunity. And if you can get one of those as a night game, like I, I, it's going to be extremely difficult, I think, to win. Or, I'm sorry, T- for, for you know, the team coming in to win. TCU is who I lost that like they were completely outclassed at the gate. Like there's some games that you look at that it's like, oh, you know, seeing how they have played at times, maybe that should have been a game and they didn't do it. So I don't really have a lot of trust that they're suddenly going to be able to do that down the stretch, but maybe a home game really would make that much of a difference. Uh, Kelly Ford hasn't updated his stuff as of Sunday night at 9 PM. Obviously that's a quick turnaround at, at the moment. Iowa state is the game. He gives BYU the best chance to beat. It's only a 47% chance after that. It's 38% chance at West Virginia and 33% at Oklahoma state. So they're not going to be favored in any game moving forward, but the home versus road thing is, I think a real thing for BYU. All right. Um, let's run through these a little bit. Uh, TCU. It's wild to me that a team that is four and four overall is still well liked by certain ratings. S and P plus, has them 28th. Uh, Beta rank has them 32nd in the country. TCU's 4-4, four and four, and they need two wins out of road game at Texas Tech, home for Texas, home for Baylor, at Oklahoma. I, 
I don't, I don't, I don't love their chances. I understand they got Baylor at home. Let's mark that as a win. They have to win one of the other three. Like I, like I understand the ratings like TCU. I've watched enough of them to be like, yeah, I don't know. All right. I, I, the, the numbers are confusing. I don't think this is a very good team. They could get to six wins. I'm not leaning toward it at the moment. Did you see that list of like the best ever six win teams in the history of college no, you football? Mean, you that mean was, six loss teams? That was what a, that yeah, was, yeah, maybe that's what, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. It's giving like Iowa State at number one, like where they're still liked by the ratings and stuff, but you just keep finding ways to lose games. Yeah, I think the thing that doesn't help them is that, you know, the schedule is not great the rest of the way. I mean, they have a winnable game at Texas Tech and they have a winnable game against Baylor. Then they have to host Texas and go on the road to Oklahoma. I'm sorry, but if they don't win this game at Texas Tech this week, there's absolutely no way that they go bowling. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think they I think they'll beat Texas Tech and Baylor. I think they'll get in. That leads to Texas Tech, who is one of one, two, three, four, three, and five teams. I'll remind you, everybody, for Texas Tech, that no Big 12 team who started their season 0-2 has ever gone bowling. Texas Tech, one of those teams this year who started 0-2. TCU at Kansas, UCF at Texas. They have to win three of those. Texas Tech is not going bowling. Yeah, I mean, they theoretically have a chance if they can get the win this week. But, I mean, they have to beat either Kansas on the road or Texas on the road. Those are both difficult ones. So if, if you're hoping for as many Big 12 teams going bowling as possible, then you're a big TC fan this week. And they're going to beat UCF. That's that's the only one they're, uh, those games they'll win, I think. UCF fans are going to see Taj Brooks in their nightmares, um, like every other running back in the Big 12 this year. <laughs> yes. uh, among those other three and five teams, we just talked about the two that are playing each other. Baylor. Uh, no, Yeah, Baylor. That's a nope. Uh, Baylor's three and five. Baylor is not going bowling. I I feel confident in saying Baylor will not win three out of Houston at Kansas State at TCU home versus West Virginia. Uh, The Bears are 76th in SP+. That's a spot worse than Cincinnati and one spot better than Colorado. They're 101st in beta rank, which is one spot below Houston. Thank goodness the four newcomers are struggling as much as they are, or Baylor would be the worst team in the Big 12. I'm still not entirely sure they're not the worst team in the Big 12, but because they have two wins over Cincinnati and UCF, Cincinnati... more comfortably than I expected, even at three points. Um, I just I like they're 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 bad. Their three Big Twelve losses have been by a combined sixty nine points. Nice, that's twenty three points per game. For Baylor fans, you're not going to bowl game this year. Uh, you'll probably win another game, Houston. Uh, Randa's not going anywhere this offseason. So if that's your hope that he's going to get fired, he's not. He's going to get the you get one year to replace certain coordinators and assistants offensive side of the ball and try and turn this thing around because we like you and we owe you a lot of money. But we also really like you and you have done one nice season here. Uh, so he's going to get another he year to turn He gets the Tom around. Herman treatment. You can fire not, all of your off that's, your assistants and save your job. That's the that's the <laughs> most recent Big 12 example, but it's a pretty commonplace thing of like, we like you, we also owe you a lot of money, but we do like you. And so we're going to give you one season, fire some guys, replace them, fix it, show progress, or we're going to be head hunting. Gone. Or Jeff Trailers going to be honest, head though, coach of Baylor come 2025. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, though. I wouldn't be shocked if Baylor loses out. Like the game against Houston, I think Houston, Houston occasionally jumps up and – SWAT some people as West Virginia fans can attest to, 
Um, I just, I get the feeling that Baylor, like that's the only one they have a chance to win. I think at this point, um, unless for whatever reason, TCU falls flat on their face, the rest of the, the, you know, but uh, again, like Houston's the only one that I feel confident even saying they have a good shot to win all the rest of them. It's, it's a rough season in Baylor or, you know, down in Waco, it's going to continue to be a rough season. I do, I do, I, or I should say, I did thoroughly enjoy Iowa State Twitter taking uh, good friends of the network uh, uh, over at the Between Two Bears podcast the task for their preseason comments this week. So. I saw it and I didn't listen yet. Is it, do I need to go track it back down? It's it's actually pretty funny. So yeah, I would, the um especially the comment of, has Iowa State ever had a good quarterback? <laughs> they do like to troll. Um our that new Baylor, our Bay, new Baylor show, a little, little, little less insulting. Uh, in the Bear Den, go check that out. Uh, speaking of Houston, Houston also three and five. I like I, I can talk Houston and UCF and saying both of those teams are shocking at three and five, but for two very different reasons. <laughs> Houston for having three wins, UCF for only having three wins. Um. Houston has at Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State at UCF. They've got Baylor. They've got two of the newcomers. They're not. Go- oh, by the way, I can't wait to see Dan- hear whatever Daniel's stat is going to be on Wednesday night about conference teams coming off of shutout losses going on the road. Blah, blah, blah. It's probably like wins 68% of the time. I don't know. I'll ask him. Houston's not going bowling. But. With Baylor and three of the other newcomers on the schedule still, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I Donovan Smith's been playing so well. I'm not going to like. I, I I'm going to say it. I think I might give Houston the best chance of the three and five teams to go bowling just because of the way the schedule stacks up. Wait, they have. Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and UCF. Yes. So they have Baylor and then two of the yes. two of the new ones. They have okay. to win you, three you games. had said three. Right. Sorry. I, yeah. I was in my head I, Baylor sucks, so I was including Baylor. <laughs> Could <laughs> poss- win possible games. Clip it. Um clip it. <laughs> uh that's fine. Like Baylor no Baylor fans were like, how dare it? like, yeah, we do. Um They had, they got a legit shot to go to three and one. They have the yeah. best chance of any of the three win teams of winning three of their final four. I'm not going to. And it pick all them comes to down do to it. schedule. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but I they'll mean, they'll go two and one and then lose the game at UCF. That would be the most Dana Holgerson <laughs> thing possible. Uh, that would be epically hilarious. I mean, not to Houston fans. Sorry, Scott Holman. Uh, we love you guys. That of course is our Houston podcast. I'm sorry. As a lover of Schadenfreude in general. I, I think that would be hilarious. However, yes, it would be it would suck for Houston fans. Uh Jeff, UCF is three and five. They haven't won a game since the non-conference. Uh your last four at Cincinnati, home for Oklahoma State, space game, at Texas Tech, and home for Houston. I'm not picking UCF to win three of their last four. And I don't blame you. <laughs> it's just I mean you know, Cincinnati's a winnable game. Uh, you know, that that game coming up this weekend could be one of the ugliest that we'll see uh, on the schedule this year. Um, they're not going to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't like UCF on the road at Texas Tech. They had not fared well on the road. Houston might be winnable, 
but yeah, they're they're not going to win. They're not going to win three games. Honestly, my big question is: Is UCF going to win a Big Twelve game this year? Like they should, looking at the rest of the schedule. Yeah, but because like if they beat Cincinnati, they that doesn't really Baylor. count because it's not a legacy team. Uh, you know, so well, no, no, to no. Me, no it but like, I'm just talking about in general, whether in it counts general. or not. You know, Cincinnati and Houston. Like I think they have a chance to win those two games, but like they should have beat Baylor, and everything fell okay. apart for them. Yeah, like, that, I just don't know. They should have beat Oklahoma. Yeah, honestly, well, they should have at least tied Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, no, the no, they're, you're going to look back on this season. The Baylor game is, you know, the one that took everything off the skids. You know, just a devastating way that they lost that game uh, had a, had a huge impact. You know, they got blown out the next week uh, by Kansas. So. Yeah, I, they're going to go to. I think they're they could go two and two. I'm just not real confident. I mean, at this late of the season, it's hard to fix a defense that gives up so many yards on the ground. And uh, yes, by the way, we're, we we if we don't know them before the game, we know them after because we see the name on the back of their jersey running past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean it's. The only game left on their schedule that I'm confident that they can or that they they should win is the Houston game. But then you get to the point where if you haven't won before the, you know, in conference before the final game of the season, there's that that's a ton of pressure to win that game to not go winless in the Big 12 in your first season. Yeah, I I agree with you. Having to play Dylan, uh, uh, Ollie Gordon and then Tosh Brooks in back to back games is. um That's something. That's going to be rough. Uh, Cincinnati is two and six. Cincinnati will not win their last four games to go bowling. They have UCF at Houston at West Virginia and Kansas. It doesn't matter who's on the schedule. Um, UCF, the other team currently winless in Big 12 play. They've lost six games in a row. I uh, It continues. Cincinnati puts up a lot of yards, but doesn't actually score any points. At this point, like I think UCF will win a game. They might win too. Like they, they, they could beat. They should maybe beat Cincinnati on the road. They definitely should beat Houston at home. Like Cincinnati might not win another game. If if we're talking about like won't win another game this season, you get UCF at home. You're at Houston at West Virginia home for Kansas. Like I, Cincinnati, I two and ten. It's going to be an interesting round robin you know, for the AC, for the former AAC teams to determine who is not the worst in the Big 12. Yeah. This, this year. <laughs> you, know, you know, and, and like, look, you know, you can tell my, I've lost confidence in my team because, I mean, I would not be surprised if we lost it at Cincinnati. It would not shock me. What, what you if, know, I think we should win. It would not shock me if we lost. Given the way the season's gone, I would be more surprised if you weren't thinking it's a possibility that they would lose. Yeah. I, I don't, maybe I'm still just a fool, but like, I just like UCF is better than Cincinnati. Like it's still a, like they have problems. They are I, no doubt. Cincinnati's just, they're just bad. Like, like they're, they're not a good team. But as we've seen so many times in the big 12 this year, being bad doesn't stop you from winning the game. <laughs> this is true. But there's a difference between the incumbent 10 being having a rough year and winning games and the newcomers being bad and, and winning the games. I mean, uh, Houston, I don't know. This Cincinnati is woof. It's, 
Didn't like the hire then. Still don't like it now. Um, let's move on because I don't think Cincinnati wants to. St- I have fans are still listening. Want to listen to this? All right, let's preview the weekend ahead because that's what we do to wrap the show up every week. Uh, let's run down the slate. It's an incredible slate, an incredible slate of games. I mean, absolutely fantastic. You get a Thursday night game. I'm really enjoying the Big Twelve like weeknight games. I understand why fans don't like them. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Don't. Please take, understand this is a purely selfish reason to be able to sit down and just watch a game and focus on two Big 12 teams and not be trying to like hop back and forth between channels all day. But TCU at Texas Tech on Thursday night, 6 p.m. kickoff on FS1 Saturday. Texas hosting Kansas State for Big Noon kickoff, Big Noon show for Fox, uh, 11 a.m. 2.30, we got three 2.30 games. Bedlam on ABC at 2.30, you can watch that one. ESPN Plus will have Baylor versus Houston. FS1 will have UCF at Cincinnati. Bedlam. Uh, and then two 6 p.m. kickoffs. You get Kansas at Iowa State on ESPN and BYU at West Virginia on FS1. Looks like FS1 is going to be loaded with Big 12 this week. It's hard to do the, like, pick the game that's most important that's not because, like, there's Bedlam. They're all important. There's Kansas State at Texas. Bunched but, up but, we are. Even if they're not important, like, you have... Three games matching up contenders between Kansas and Iowa State, Kansas State at Texas, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You've got TCU and Texas Tech both like needing this win to keep bowl eligibility alive. You've got Houston at Baylor, which I thank you for putting... I mean, even Baylor and Houston fans are like, thank God this is on ESPN Plus that nobody has to watch this. And then Baylor or BYU-West Virginia like is a sneaky, interesting, and fun game. Also, it's the two furthest teams, I think, apart. Or is UCF be further away from Provo than Morgan? I forget. I, I did the math. I don't want to look at it. Pretty sure it's it's uh, UCF and BYU. That might be it. But, yeah. but it's not that much like further than West Virginia. It's like it's it's a whole weekend of, of games that at worst are like interesting stories like Baylor-Houston. So like, ah, let's just do what we do. I'm not going to sit here and reinvent the wheel. Andy, you can't pick Kansas-Iowa State. What? Well... The only game that I'm, well, no, actually, I'm hoping I'm going to get to watch Bedlam because it'll be on at the tailgate while I'm waiting for, you know, Kansas-Iowa State to start. But I won't be able to watch the end of it. So, the only game I'm actually going to get to watch from start to finish is going to be that Thursday game between TCU and Texas Tech. But if I'm, you know, following a game, the one that I'm probably the most interested in is the Kansas State-Texas game. Because that will tell me, is Kansas State good? Like, are they as good as they have appeared in the last few weeks? Um, and how they play in this game, whether they win or not, is going to determine how big of an impact they have on the Big 12 race the rest of the year. Um, Texas has struggled recently with, you know, they struggled on the road at Houston. Uh, you know, they they have not played up to the quote-unquote Texas standard that we expected, although I think those of us who have watched Texas over the last few years are kind of not that surprised that Texas hasn't, you know, been the consensus top three team that a lot of people thought they were going to be. But I do think that this is a, a good opportunity for Texas to show that they're going to be able to keep the Big 12 championship run alive without Quinn Ewers because I'm not sure when Quinn Ewers is actually coming back. The last I heard, there's a good chance that he'll be back for the Big 12 championship, but probably not before. Jamie? Uh, I mean, I'm honestly kind of with you as far as uh, K-State, Texas. Um it's interesting. Hopefully it should be a good game. Uh, it's on at a time that I could watch it. 
beyond that, it is hoping that Drake pounds Indiana State, who is currently 1-12 in conference play, knock on wood, so that I can get out of there by like quarter after six and uh, go home and watch football for Iowa State. So what you're saying is I'm not going to see you at the tailgate. Dang it. It is unlikely. <laughs> I would imagine if you're trying to get out of a game. You'd have, at to, Drake. you'd have to be out there real early and I would have to make the decision to come to Ames earlier in the day, which I might do, but I haven't settled on. But if we're talking like four I mean, it's a four. It's a four and a half hour drive from Kansas City. And um, yeah. just stop by. Uh, stop by Adele. Just give it a give it a drive by and then you're good. I'll just wave out the window. Hi, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just let me know when you're coming by the okay, highway and okay. I'll wave your direction. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I need the white Russian cookie crisp breakfast. Like I just I need to come do that in Ames. That's in Ames, right? What? It's the cookie crisp yeah, cereal be, in the I'll cup be, of white Russian. I'll be I'll be Who'd, tailgating with those guys. What do you? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Who does that? Uh, White right Natty Light was talking about it. Because <laughs> really, what you need is tip top chili for brekkie. Uh, if you want it, to I be. mean, it's a night game, so oh, you know, most of the people tailgating aren't going to be doing breakfast stuff, Philip. I mean, you can eat breakfast all day. I don't I don't know why you're so. Prejudice against. I said most people won't be. I didn't say they couldn't. (laughs) Jeff, what's the best? What's the most important game of the weekend to you, sir? Yeah, I kind of have to agree on uh, Kansas State, Texas. I mean, this does you know beg the question. You know, Texas are they going to continue to survive without yours and Kansas State? This is their their opportunity to uh, to put their put their foot in the ground and uh, and and announce that they are going to contend to go to go to Arlington. I can't pick Bedlam, so I will pick Kansas and Iowa State, which is also going to be, like, the potential there is a lot of fun. Like, Iowa State's defense defense versus Kansas' offense, Kansas' defense versus Iowa State's offense. Like, I I think the total is at 54 as of time of recording this. Like, I'm not one to typically pick an over in an Iowa State game. But I would say that honestly, that feels like an over to me, and that feels like a pretty easy over. Yeah, that 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 feels a little a little low. Feels a little low. Yeah, it's fifty, it's fifty-four. The Texas Kansas State total is dropping, and I hope it stays about fifty for Thursday so I can take the under because otherwise I'm gonna be taking it over. But man, that one's gonna be a struggle. Um I mean I think Kansas Iowa State should be fun. That should be a fun game. I'm not sure I know who's gonna come out the victor in that one. Uh, I I recall last year's one point ridiculously insane Kansas victory. This should be a fun one. It should be a fun one. Of course, Bedlam is going to be awesome. Kansas State. Well, I say awesome. I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, that's a OU coming off. No, no, no. A lo- it's going to be no OU coming awesome. off a loss. OSU on a four game win streak, and they just blew out their opponent last week. That is the that is freaking like classic grandma handed it down to you from generations recipe for Oklahoma blowing out. It's OSU. going to be either an awesome spanking of Oklahoma State from Oklahoma or Oklahoma State's going to win and it'll be awesome for everybody else. In my mind, I'm just going to continue to pretend that the 2021 Bedlam game that I was in attendance for was the last Bedlam game and none of the other ones since have occurred in football. That's just that's <laughs> how I choose to remember it. And um, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that. Look, yeah. 
I want both of us to be able to talk about how we sent Oklahoma out of SEC or out of the Big 12 to the SEC with a loss. Yeah, that's that's not good. So I am I am pulling for Oklahoma State. You know what? I, I even though I think it would be better for Kansas' chances of making the Big 12 title game if Oklahoma actually won that game, but. You're a true friend. No, I take that back <laughs> because Kansas has a tiebreaker over Oklahoma. So never mind. Oklahoma State all the way. <laughs> You're a true you gotta friend. Like got to like the way the time slots work out for these uh, for these three games on Saturday to go back to back to back. Yeah, I'm probably going to have my kids drive up to uh, Ames just so that I can watch other games. <laughs> On my laptop on the way. So, I mean, let's hope it all works out. What, what, else, why else have kids than to make them do things so that right. you can watch Why else have teenagers? Right. I mean, I can't make my four year old drive. So, that's not really an option for me. All right. This has been fun. It's been great. Jeff, appreciate you hopping on with us tonight. Do me a favor. Where can everybody find the work you do covering the UCF Golden Knights? All right. Of course, we're at uh, sonsofucf.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sonsofucf. Yeah, also, check out our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great content on there as well. So uh, appreciate you having me on. It was a blast. Should have said Citronauts. It's the uh, mascot you guys should make full-time. I don't understand the switch. No, 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 no. Anybody, any UCF fan that's on board with that, I have to question. I mean, we've, we, it took us so long to build the brand of UCF Knights. Changing your mascot in your name would be, would be ludicrous. Agreed. It just never should have changed it. Agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah. It. Should have <laughs> like that. That that's what we're saying is that you should have someone should have gone back in time and and prevented them from moving off of the Citronaut logo, you know, and and mascot. It's glorious. Just, long long time. Well, ago. one of these days, you know, the the great space engineers that we uh, that we uh, provide might come up with that time machine, and they could make that happen. First, first, most important thing to be done with that time machine is that uh, you Heck can yeah. find Andy at Andy Mitts twelve. That's M I T T S, and of course, everything he writes for is on Blue Wings Rising. Jamie can be found on Twitter X at J S T E Y Z. You can find us at ten twelve Network. 1012network.com is the website. 1012pod is the gram. 1012 podcast is the YouTube. Shop at Charlie Hustle. Subscribe to the Patreon. Follow us everywhere. We'll be back on Thursday to make picks for this upcoming weekend. We will talk to you all again then. Podcast Network.